Uh, there's a lot of guys that are self-isolating uh, three or four times a day, I think, right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Hi again, folks, and welcome to a very weather-challenged Calgary, Alberta today as we welcome you to this 485th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. We are here, and why I say weather-challenged, we haven't seen the sun at all this whole week. We've now made it into April, and it might as well be back in December here. It just really is gloomy, and it looks like it's a middle-of-December day in the smack-dab middle of winter, and we're already into spring. Coronavirus already has us pretty much uh, homebound, and now you can't even get out for a walk because the weather is so crappy here in, in the at the base of the Canadian Rocky Mountains, but nothing we can do about that. We appreciate you uh, joining us again, and I, I want to start by saying thank you. A sincere thank you from both of us. Chris enlightened me last night. Chris was doing some really great work. Chris has done a lot of great work here. Um, When we've had this downtime, uh, Chris has done a lot of work to do some upgrades to Unscripted. A lot of credit, and all credit goes to him, obviously. But I wanted to send some credit out to the fans of Unscripted. Um, We asked, and you guys came through. I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, We had our two biggest download days ever, March 29th and 30th. Chris informed me yesterday we had our two biggest download days in the history, in the three-year history of Unscripted. We had the two biggest download days, and uh, I thank you very, very much for that. We asked for your help, and you people came through. And we're going to continue to ask, maybe not as heavy-handed as I was last week, and if I offended anybody by that, I apologize. But again, we needed your help. We continue to need your help. This isn't a one-week fix. We need this this to continue. Um, and uh, But I needed to say thank you very much for the two most heavy downloaded days of Unscripted on March 29th and 30th in the three-year history of Unscripted. And so I thank you very much for that. And again, if you could remember to download on our big five, uh, Google Play, what are they again? I don't have my notes because, you know, Google Play, Spotify. iTunes. iTunes. Stitcher. Stitcher. Tune in. Tune in. Thank you. Um, those are our big five. And if you can uh, continue for the ones that haven't, if you can go on to those five different mechanisms and click subscribe. I know on on Spotify, because I did this for another podcast last night, Chris will be happy to know that you have to push follow on that one, <laughs> which I did, and I made contact with the host, which you'll be happy to know, and I'm talking to him on Tuesday. So um, a lot of good things happening here on Unscripted, regardless of the circumstances that we're living under, and uh, I do want to make another quick public service announcement. Please, folks, remember... Remember, remember, remember. Very important during this time. Um, Keep your hands clean. Continually be washing your hands. And obviously, the social distancing is huge. 
And uh, once we can have everybody playing along nice in the little sandbox and doing what we've been told to do, um, maybe we'll get out of this sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, we had the cancellation this week of the British Open in July, uh, and it's just got to be a matter of days now that you've now that you've canceled. Probably in my in my estimation, and my estimation is small. I mean, we've already postponed the Olympics in July for one one year till July of 2021. The RNA, that's the Royal and Ancient, they govern golf in Europe. The RNA officially canceled the British Open this week for the first time since the uh, World War II era, the 1940s. And now it's just got to be a matter of time where we get what we've all been waiting for, which is the official cancellation of the Calgary Stampede, the world's greatest outdoor show, is hopefully now has enough subtle hints that the early weeks of July are not going to work this year for the greatest outdoor show on earth, the Calgary Stampede. Um, (laughs) I'm being very sarcastic. I hate it. Um, A lot of things to talk about, though. Uh, People are still making news. I guess... uh, before I get, because I want his comments on this, before I get Chris to say hi and get him into this program, I needed to start here today. Chris and I have been uh, debating about the value of some of these free agent signings that have happened in the National Football League, and one that I don't think either one of us were too high on was the signing of, I don't even know how many years it was, but the total was $100 million for Amari Cooper. Five times 20. Yeah, thank you. Five years, $100 million for Amari Cooper to continue to drop balls and run the wrong, wrong routes for the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy's going to love this guy. Uh, but, you know, Jerry Jones feels that, well, we spent a, n- a number one draft pick to acquire him, so, you know, we we, we just can't cook, kick him to the curb after one year. So Jerry and his two idiot sons signed the former all-American from Alabama to a five-year, $100 million contract. And Rex Ryan this morning on Get Up on ESPN says, and I quote, I wouldn't have paid that turd, end quote, $100 million. Um, Again, for a lot of reasons, I just really quickly mentioned he drops the ball too much. He doesn't run the right routes. Rex Ryan went on to say that when the competition gets better, i.e. good corners, he gets lost in the shuffle. And, um, you know, I want your comments on that, but I guess a lot of people around North America are up in arms that Rex Ryan would use the word turd in in regard to Amari Cooper, but I'm just calling a spade a spade, folks. Amari Cooper is a serviceable National Football League receiver. Is he worth $100 million? Absolutely not. As I bring in the executive producer and the hardest working man in the podcast business, Mr. Fluke, your comments on Rex Ryan and the $100 million contract signed by Amari Cooper two weeks ago uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Well, this is uh, really surprising to me that Rex Ryan said this because this is why I think people should listen to Unscripted, frankly. And uh, if you can find another podcast like that, that'd be great too, I suppose, is if is. You know, in the mainstream media, you don't really get people being super straightforward like that. You don't get that level of honesty because they just want to, you know, you don't want to ruffle too many feathers. You want to make sure you can talk to everybody and still interview them or whatever you need to do. 
And I'm just really surprised, actually. Good for Rex Ryan. That just shows he's just authentic and he doesn't care and he's just going to be honest. And it's so refreshing to see that kind of honesty on TV. That's just unbelievable. I mean, it's totally normal in a podcast like ours to see that. But on TV, the mainstream media, no way. So good for Rex Ryan for having the honesty to say that. You know, even if someone doesn't like it, too bad. That's what the whole point is supposed to be of saying opinions in media is that, you know, you, you're you honest and then it can create some controversy or some discussion or whatever. So good for Rex Ryan for saying that. But he's absolutely right. Amari Cooper has been really, really uneven in his career here. He started off just looking amazing in his rookie year. And then over time, he started to really disappear. And then, you know, I, I've said for the last couple of years, uh, I'm not drafting Amari Cooper in fantasy. All I hope is that whoever, if I ever play him, I don't play him one of the two weeks of the year where he has a big game. You know, he'll he'll have three touchdowns one game, and then you don't see him for eight weeks. And so, I don't know. He's he's just not impressive to me. I don't think he has a lot of heart. And uh, yeah. when you don't have yeah. heart, not only do you lose that sort of passion and consistency, but you especially lose it when you sign a big money deal. This term is way too long. The dollars are way too high. And for both of those reasons, I don't think you're going to see the best Amari Cooper that you could, even if you think the best Amari Cooper is really good. And I'm not really sure I believe that anymore. I liked him in his rookie year, and I haven't really been impressed with him since. And it's just, yeah, it's way too much money and way too long. He's got five years to kick back, relax, live in Dallas. You know, Jerry... Jerry State-free tax, uh, state tax state. Yeah, and so... He, uh, you know, Jerry Jones really gets married to his guys. So I'm sure Jerry will find a way to just love this guy more and more, no matter what he does. He's in a cushy position right now, Amari Cooper, and he couldn't ask for more, except maybe a little more talent. <laughs> uh, I'm just going through here and looking at things that um, that are making news from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. I'm going to take some from the National Football League, take some from the National Hockey League, a couple from the uh, NBA, and obviously some from Major League Baseball. I've got a really, I think, a very, really unique proposal on the table from Justin Turner of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the third baseman for the Dodgers, in regard to how do we uh, entice people to stay watching Major League Baseball games that are tied after nine innings, but that's what we call a teaser, folks. I'll get to that later because that's going to be an interesting discussion. I'm going to throw out a couple of topics. I'll ask Chris for his comments. The first one I want to start with is, now, we have been ripping and will continue to rip Jane Goodell's husband until he is either fired or he resigns as the commissioner of the National Football League. He has got a money-making machine there, and yet, he continues to do things that just baffle people. I think I'm being very kind by saying baffle. I have another adjective, but we'll save that for another day. Um, but wouldn't you think, with all the ad- advanced men that the National Football League has, that they would know about a potential scheduling conflict in regard to the Super Bowl and the city of New Orleans, and I believe this is in the season 2023 or 2024, one of those two years. But supposedly, the National Football League has found out, or figured out, maybe is a better word, that they've got a scheduling problem with Mardi Gras involving the playing of the Super Bowl in New Orleans the next time, which is scheduled to happen again, either 2023 or 2024. 
for discussion purposes, let's make it 2024. Doesn't matter. But my point here to, to Chris, to get Chris involved and for his comments, and I know he loves Jane Goodell's husband just as much as I do, um, but wouldn't the advanced men of the National Football League, as part of their due diligence, find out about all the scheduling conflicts when they award a city something as obviously you know, huge as the playing of the Super Bowl in your city? And what's bigger than in New Orleans than the Super Bowl, what's even bigger than the Super Bowl coming to New Orleans would be Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras, I've been to it. It's an unbelievable party. It puts the Calgary Stampede to shame in regard to a two-week shutdown of the city. Um, Just the food alone and the different food choices you have. Mardi Gras versus the Calgary Stampede is like the difference between night and day. Um, You've heard us talk about the Calgary Stampede and the uh, moldy buns and the uh, refried or retried or rebarfed uh, beef on a bun that's so prevalent here after you get done throwing up that morning's breakfast and sausage. But again, I digress. What's going on with the National Football League if they can't figure out and why did they award the 2024 Super Bowl to the city of New Orleans if there was a scheduling conflict with Mardi Gras? Sure. So the only reason that... This is now becoming an issue in 2024 is because of this new expanded playoff. Oh, okay. If it wasn't for the expanded, when they awarded the, they awarded the Super Bowl for 2024 back in 2018. Correct. Right? And so back then there wasn't this idea of the expanded playoff. And then Mardi Gras is usually held anywhere from mid-February to March 1st. Correct. Right? So, I mean, it's usually quite a bit after the Super Bowl. Starts with Fat Tuesday. Yeah. And it's usually a month later. So, I mean, or at least a couple weeks. So... Now, I don't know, but yeah, they're considering pulling it right out of there. But um, New Orleans has hosted the uh, second most Super Bowls ever with 10 behind, you know who the other one is? Who's held the most? Well, my guess right off the top of my head would be Miami. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Miami's got the most because, you know, it's always... And you know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but this is unscripted, so what the hell. Miami almost lost all future even being thought of as a future Super Bowl city, if they wouldn't have put a hundred and whatever million, maybe 200 million out of Stephen Ross's own pocket to do the upgrades to pro player stadium or whatever the hell, hard rock stadium, whatever Mm -hmm. they call it, because it had fallen in such disrepair down there that they threatened uh, the city of, and the organization, the Miami Dolphins, that you aren't going to be, uh, you aren't even going to be thought of as a future Super Bowl place if you don't upgrade your stadium. Thank God they did because, I mean, that really, that and New Orleans are the two best places. And I've been to both of them. Those are the two best places to have a Super Bowl by mm-hmm, far. Mm-hmm. Well, there are other places in, you know, Florida's got three teams. You'd think the other two should be decent too if it really came down to it. Um, I've been to one in Tampa and, it, you know, that was at the old Sombrero before the upgrade or the building of Raymond James. So I don't know about that, but that old Sombrero was a piece of crap. And, um, you know, again, I think the reason that Miami and New Orleans are just natural fits is just because they're just party cities. I mean, there's a lot of fun to be had and a lot of trouble to get into, let me tell you, in both of those cities. Just, uh, just um, wait till we have a Vegas Super Bowl coming up. Oh, God. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's going to be there's going to be a problem um this just in um defensive back whatever from the whomever uh was caught last night out in Pahrump 
and uh, he's not going to make it back in time for the game. <laughs> Story to follow. There's going to be, yeah, I can't wait for that to happen. Wow. Great wow, point. This, this Spearman Rhino is going to have like a thousand <laughs> women working in one night. Like, it's going to be amazing. No, the Spearmint Rhino re- will recruit every hot chick from Southern California and Northern California. They'll stay away from Utah. But they'll stay. They'll they'll go up and down the Pacific Coast for hot chicks for that week at the Spearman Rhino oh, for the damn sure. Super Bowl is going to be, you know, whatever whatever Vegas is losing with the coronavirus, they are going to make up for just in the weekend of the Super Bowl when they they're going to get all that. Well, back. I do have an update. I was talking to Vegas yesterday, and it is like living in a ghost town. Every every one of the seventy six area Las Vegas casinos are shut down, and um, it. I was talking to I was talking to Vegas yesterday, and it is golf courses are shut down, even though I guess Jack tried to play today with a homemade mask. Um, but uh, Vegas is a ghost town, no question. I, I saw a video the other day of uh, a couple of geese and their and their offspring walking down the strip, <laughs> no problem. Like it was amazing. They're just like, hey, what's this? this is nice. Uh, so that's good. But yeah, Vegas, it's uh, it's. It's going to be quite the rebound, though. I'm hoping we get a bit of an economic boom here as everything swings back into service and everything just comes back full force and everyone's dying to get out and have some fun. And it should be a real, uh, it should be quite the the little uh, boom there, I'm I'm hoping. Now, I know that we don't have the ability. Well, I guess you can online, obviously. You can bet on things, but what are you betting on with no games being played? But um, it was funny. I found a kick out of this as we get looking forward to the controversial. I'm going to say controversial. I think it is controversial that I understand your reasoning um, in regard to why they're going ahead with the April 24th draft. I get that. Uh, I understand it, though I can see where the general managers are very much against it uh, because you know there's still a lot of old school general managers that like to have the face-to-face encounters and test guys out. And I think this is one of the reasons that we haven't seen guys like Cam Newton signed somewhere because somebody would like to take a look at his foot after missing all but two games last year. Maybe this is one of the reasons why Jameis Winston hasn't been signed anywhere is because nobody can really see with his new eyes and his new dedication and his belief that he's going to lead a team back to Tampa next year, which is, you know, snowball's chance in hell. But anyway, they came out with these odds, and you've heard Chris and I both mention these two names um, over the past in regard to Unscripted in our NFL uh, when we talk about the National Football League. But they have a they have a uh, they have a line out already for the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, and uh, the odds-on winner is Chase Young, obviously the outstanding defensive end from. Ohio State University. He's a plus 300 to bring home the award. And the second guy is the unbelievably ultra-talented linebacker from Clemson University, Isaiah Simmons. He's at a plus seven. Oh, my eyes are bad. Plus 700 to win. the. Uh, I think, obviously, if Chase Young doesn't get hurt and he does go to the Washington Redskins where everybody is projecting him to go as the second pick in the draft behind Joe Burrow going to the Cincinnati Bengals, I think those two guys are the top two contenders for Defensive Rookie of the Year next year in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I would go with Chase Young all the way. He's supposed to be a generational talent, and he'd be first overall in a lot of different drafts. I think he'd be top five in 
almost any draft, I think, based on his reports and his and all the scouting that's been done on him, which obviously is fairly exhaustive at this point. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Chase Young. That Washington Redskins defense, just that defensive line especially, keeps getting better and better. you got the Bama yeah. boys, and now you'll yeah. Chase Young. Like, you don't want to play against them. That's Ryan not... Kerrigan's still there too, isn't he? Yeah, Ryan Kerrigan's still there, and Deron Payne is still there up the middle. And, man, they've got at least one or two other guys from Bama, and... And now they just uh, they just signed Ronald Darby away from division rival Philly, Ooh. right? And so now they got him back there. Uh, you know that they, they've they're going to be very uh, very very interesting. And then of course you've got uh, the quarterback competition now between Dane Haskins, sorry Dwayne Haskins and uh, Kyle Allen, who played for Rivera last year. So and of course you've got the new coaching of Rivera, who actually is you know a very competent coach. I like him there. Uh, there's a lot to like here. I mean if they can. Uh, you know, they need to get something for Trent Williams because he's not going to play for them anymore, and that's going to hurt not having him. But, I mean, geez, any team with a scary defense can can do things, and especially in a weak division. I mean, Dallas still sucks. The Giants still suck. Philly's shaky, although, you know, they've made some good moves because Howie Roseman's really smart. But the Redskins, if Rivera comes in and does a great job of coaching them, as I absolutely expect him to do, the Redskins could uh, win the division title this year. They really could. They could. I still think it's going to be Philly. Um, that would be, if I was to put money on it, Philly would be my team because they're the best coach team in the division. Um, but if and you I factor s- in the odds, though. Oh, sure. Well, I absolutely. mean, that's a great no, I, value I, pick. No, I, I, and, and you're better at that than I am. I understand that. But from a pure football aspect, I mean, Philly uh, Philly last year was probably one of the most injury-decimated teams oh, yeah. that yeah. I've ever seen. Sure, yeah. Uh, I don't understand what happened there. Their strength and conditioning coach needs to get traded to Jersey or something. But uh, I really believe Philadelphia, if they have all their components working, Philly is the best team in that division. Um, I would like to say this. You had mentioned um, the quarterback prospects for the Washington Redskins. And they will be better coached this year because obviously you can only go up once you get rid of Jay Gruden. But I do think that... uh, uh, the coach there, Ron Rivera, is a good football man. I think he'll do a good job if he can control Daniel Schneider. But I think a lot of us still, and rightfully so, we haven't seen this guy, but Alex Smith could still be in the picture for the Washington wow. Redskins too. And that's what he's saying. I mean, I'm just reading and reporting what I've read is Alex Smith now feels he's fully healthy and he's going to give he's going to give it one more kick at the can for the Washington Redskins. And that would be one of the the ultimate comeback stories of all time. Uh-huh. I also have some news and notes out of New York. Uh, neither one of us have ever been big fans of Dave Gettleman, the current general manager. I think he's done more harm than good in regard to what he's done with the uh, New York football giants. But I did read this week on the back page of the New York Post that the Mara family have is going to give him this upcoming season to correct all his failures. If not, this will be the last year of Dave Gettleman as the general manager of the uh, New York Giants. He's won nine games in two years. And New York is, again, love them or loathe them, New York is one of those marquee teams. The NFL is better when the biggest market in town, the biggest market in the league, is a good football team. And right now, the New York Jets and Giants have both sucked the last number of years, and that's not good for the league. When one park place is the home of the National Football League in Manhattan. So uh, the Mara family supposedly has given Gettleman a bit of a ultimatum. 
you must show marked improvement with this upcoming season, whenever it starts. And uh, I think that's the right thing to do. I don't like what Gettleman has done, and I'm not a huge Giants fan, but I am aware enough that the National Football League, its ratings would be better, viewership would be better if they had a competent team, either one of them. I'm not asking for both of them, but either one of them to be at least halfway decent, at least competing for a playoff spot in the NFL's biggest market. Yeah, well, the New York Jets never feel like a New York City team. I know, oh, I know. Unless you know. maybe with Namath, maybe, but even then they were a scrappy underdog, so not really, right? And that's Super Bowl three, so that's a long time ago. The New York Giants often do feel like a New York City team, but uh, they're just they're often missing something, and they're uh, they're also often not good. So they have their moments, but they're not like the Yankees or something right. where they feel like a New York City team, right? And they really, exactly. I mean, you know, New York City. I'm surprised they don't have more teams like that. I mean, really, the Rangers, I guess, have had their moments, but one title in 80 years doesn't really cut it that much. Uh, the Knicks are just garbage. The Jets are garbage, right? So, I mean, really, the the only dominant feels like a New York City team is the Yankees, really, and they haven't yeah. even won in a long time now either. So, they're, uh, you know, they're not... 2009, I think, for the Yankees. Yeah, I think That's so. That's a long time it's for the Yankees. a long time for the Yankees, exactly. Yeah, so, right. So, yeah, New York needs to get it figured out here, honestly. They need to do they need to do better. I mean, James Dolan's single-handedly holding back a lot of it, and no the question. Jets are just the Jets. But, <laughs> no, the, the Giants here, I think what you're going to see, I, I would have to imagine, uh, I mean, there's a lot of ways they could go at fourth overall this year. I have to imagine they're going to try and take a franchise offensive tackle, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah and and uh, I think we all know who I'm talking about there. But, uh, yeah, I think that's who they have to go with because – Daniel Jones has shown a lot of promise, a lot of clutch ability. He seems pretty good. The uh, you know they overdrafted him at sixth overall. They should have taken him at seventeenth. I think he Thank still would you. have been there. That was ridiculous. But or at least traded down a little bit or something, get a few extra picks. But there was no reason to take him at sixth overall. But I mean, he does seem like he's been kind of the real deal. And the scouting clearly, they fell in love with some of his leadership or intangibles, and that has turned out to be correct that he does seem to have those his big thing is ball security and fumbling of course as everybody knows and uh, I think he needs a really solid O-line to really cover that up and that's fair I mean let's get him a good O-line not everybody's Russell Wilson so let's get him an offensive tackle that is that he can really get used to and be used to and let's try and get like they need to really focus on the offensive line find guys that are really talented really durable get some chemistry going with the offensive line try to get the try and be like the Colts try and have the same five guys and try to have them used to each other and really try to build a serious offensive line because if they have that with uh with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley um and now because they traded Obel Beckham for no reason they need a, a top receiver again as well so Anyway, by the way, that reminds me, I was thinking about, you know, we had talked about how uh, DeAndre Hopkins was traded for, you know, a broken down David Johnson and a second round pick. Yeah. And someone, and I was wondering, like, why didn't a Howie Roseman or someone like that do something? And I then I saw an interview with Howie Roseman, and he said he was... Uh, he, he, I thought he was involved, but he the price was. was too high for him. Yeah, well, yeah, but so what he said, he said... Uh, that deal was not available for me, what he gave Arizona, which is weird because Philly, just like Arizona, is just an NFC team has not, and is way farther away from yeah. from Houston. Uh, I mean, you couldn't pick a team that has less to do with the Houston Texans than the Philadelphia Eagles. I got it. I know what it is. What? I'm I'm giving a I'm giving a uh, my hypothesis here is that Bill O'Brien and Steve Keim 
general manager of the Arizona Cardinals or drinking buddies. That would make sense. That's, that would make a lot of sense because those are two idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see all the drinking references I had in my April <laughs> Fool's mock draft to Steve? Hey, Time? listen, if you, I got to, I got to say this right here, folks. One of the things that we're crying for during this COVID-19 pandemic is something to do, something to read, something to see. And I got to tell you, and it's not just because this man is a friend of mine and I respect him a lot. But I got the biggest laugh the other day when I went on to our unscripted homepage, unscriptedmc.com, and Chris had done an article, a blog, about the first 15 picks of the draft or something uh, like about that. that. Yeah, actually, I put it on the Patreon page this year. Well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. One, yeah, yeah. one of them pages. We've got nine of them, for Christ's sake. Uh-huh. Um, but listen, if you want a good read that's funny, obviously well-researched, very well-written, Go to our Patreon page and check it out. It is unbelievable. Um, the first pick in the draft goes to Wuhan, China. I mean, you've got to have some kind of brains upstairs to put that together, and my partner does, and it's a really good read. And I'm telling you, if you want a good laugh and try to forget about some of this stuff going on in our lives for 15 minutes, I just wanted to say I give a recommendation, both thumbs up, to Chris and his article on our Patreon page about the draft. Very well done. Kudos to you, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah, our third annual unscripted April Fool's NFL mock draft. So we've got uh, 2018, 2019, and 2020 are all available on patreon.com slash unscriptedmc. So you can check out our Patreon page there. I like to post, uh, I like to post it. When we write articles once in a while, we like to post them there. And uh, you can take a look there as well. And uh, yeah, I think next year what we should do is, next year, I think we should... Because I, I, I left it a bit late, and so uh, I wish I would have started it earlier, but uh, I really enjoy writing those April Fool's mock drafts. They're, they're so ridiculous, and they're a lot of fun. But I think next year we should plan it out ahead of time, and then sometime in March, each kind of write our own, get it ready, and then we could even do it on the show. Sure. And we could say, like, you know, what, what everyone's, what everyone's uh, taking. So, yes, as you said, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, with the first overall pick, did select the COVID-19 virus because... <laughs> Mike Brown said he wanted someone who would just kill them out there and leave them gasping for air. And uh, that guy checks off all the boxes. <laughs> I enjoyed it, folks. I really did. Um, uh, again, if you are just joining us, we welcome you as we wrap up this 485th episode of Unscripted. Um, I do want to remind you, please, again, uh, as a reminder, to please subscribe on one of our five biggies, our Stitcher Tune in, Spotify, Google Play. What's the fifth one? Did you say iTunes? iTunes. There we go. I should know that by now, but, you know, I'm kind of slow. So please, um, if you can take the time and go and click and subscribe. Again, on Spotify, which I learned yesterday, having done it, but I had to hurt, I first had to be trained by Chris, is it's not subscribe on Spotify, it's follow on Spotify. So the other ones are, are uh, subscribe. Spotify is follow, but I did want to bring this up and I, and I bring this up because I've seen a lot of NBA players as I really quickly switch gears to the NBA for a quick story in the NBA that I found quite interesting. And I wonder what some of the uh, backlash is going to be here. It was inevitable. It was going to happen, but it's just, it's always been game day employees and whatever through this COVID-19 pandemic that we're in. 
But I've seen a lot of NBA players. I've seen LeBron James post on his Instagram account. He's shooting baskets with his son, Bronny. You've got uh, Steph Curry holding workouts in their gym, which just looks like an unbelievable thing in their house in Northern California, the Curry family. I found it kind of interesting that Giannis Antetokounmpo came out today and he's working out hard, but he has no access to a basketball hoop, which I find funny. Now, I know the NBA has shut down all team facilities, but here's the guy that's the front runner. I don't care what they say, and you know how much I love LeBron James. This guy is the front runner for the NBA's MVP again this year, the starting power forward for the Milwaukee Bucks. But Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't have access to a basketball hoop. Hmm. The reason I'm bringing all this up is that the NBA, there's a report that came out this morning, earlier this morning here on Friday, I think it's the 4th of April, as we re, uh, broadcast here today. Earlier today, the NBA has asked players to take a 50% pay cut beginning mid-April. And, you know, uh, I know that, and again, not everybody is making LeBron money. Not everybody's making Steph Curry money. But you also got to realize on the other end of the spectrum, folks, that the average annual salary in the NBA, even for the 15th guy on the bench, the 15th guy on the roster is a well over a million bucks. So all of them are doing well. They should be able to survive. But I wonder who the first, and there'll always be one guy. I don't care what happens. It'll always be one guy that has to voice his opinion about having to take a 50% pay cut starting in mid-April. And again, you knew it was going to happen. There's been no revenue coming into any of these NBA arenas since March the 12th when Adam Silver was proactive and shut his league down. But I'd like your comments, but I think you'll agree with me. There'll always be one leadhead that has to come out. You know, there are people losing their jobs, people that don't make an average annual salary of over a million dollars a year. Then there are people really suffering through in this COVID-19 pandemic, and I'm just wondering who the first knucklehead in the NBA is going to be that's going to bitch about having to take a 50% pay cut beginning mid-April. That'll be interesting. That reminds me of back in the day. Do you remember when there was the bit of a work stoppage there? And who was it? One of the big stars was trying to put together a, a not a charity game or something, but put together an exhibition basketball game uh, that fans would pay to go to see and the money would go to the players because they're used to a certain lifestyle and like I remember, remember that? that but I don't remember the player I forget what douchebag it was the player, but isn't but... that funny like oh we're we're used to uh, come out and spend your five dollars on us or whatever like we're you we're used to a, a better lifestyle this is hard for us well you know what's funny I gotta say this you know I'm happy that all these athletes are making these I call them public service announcements pleading with us to stay inside our homes and practice social distancing and practice washing your hands and yada, 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 and self-isolation and all this other stuff. But, you know, it sure is, it sure is nice if you could sit and, and you know, you're homebound, you you're have to stay home through this whole thing. It sure would be nice if you could go out in your backyard and there's an Olympic-sized swimming pool in the backyard or there's a driving range in the backyard. It sure would be nice. I mean... I love Rory McIlroy. I think he's a, a very credible young man who someday is going to, he's not going to catch Jack. He's not going to catch Tiger anymore. I'm sorry. That's just the competition is too deep these days. 
But Rory will go down as one of the greatest of all time when it's all said and done. And he's showing us these trick shots the other day, but he's showing us from his backyard where there's a swimming pool and there's a putting green and there's a big place for him to hit golf balls. You know, if I could go through that like that, I'd want the COVID-19 to last forever. If I had those kind of facilities at my at my disposal, I mean, again, I'm very appreciative that these guys are doing it, but it's really hard for somebody that's sitting in a 12, and I'm, it's not me, I'm not sitting in a 1,200-square-foot apartment, but a lot of people are, and probably a lot less, and it's really tough to sit here and watch Rory McIlroy suffer in his backyard hitting golf balls and doing it in a swimming suit, and he's got a model on his arm. I mean, okay, he's earned all that. Congratulations. But that's kind of – I would love COVID-19, and I, I'm only joking, but I would love to be a participant in home isolation if I had an Olympic-sized swimming pool and a driving range in my backyard. Fuck, I'd never leave. Yeah, there's a lot of tone-deaf stuff out there, and the biggest thing I saw, and people really ragged on them online, is that shitty show, The View. No. <laughs> and, oh, it was so, you know, it's just, it's such a blight on decency and everything. Like, it's just those those women, and then, you know, it's even worse, the Canadian shitty ripoff of it, The Social, is just an even bigger embarrassment, but... The View did something just ridiculous on social media the other day, and they got rightly criticized for it, including by me. The View came out with a thing, and they had an interview with Kim Kardashian, which is fine, but then they put as the teaser, the tagline, they put, you know, we interview Kim Kardashian to see how she's managing in this time of social distancing. And so, of course, I responded and I said, you just raped the word managing and left it for dead in a ditch. And then a few people like that one. But I mean, it's true. I mean, that's just, I mean, how clueless and idiotic and tone deaf do you have to be to think, oh, poor, poor Kim can't go out and get, you know, paparazzi taking pictures of her. Wah. Like, I mean, like, I seriously doubt that, that she's actually feeling any, even, even thinks that she's feeling any sort of hardship. Uh, but I mean, I'm not blaming her because she didn't write that. But that is just unbelievable. Whoever is, you know, whoever is doing social media for the view is just a dumb piece of shit. And and they need to shut up. On the other side of the coin, I did find someone who is really self-isolating right. This this should get the award for best self-isolating here. So I don't know if you heard about this, but the king of Thailand is quarantining or self-isolating with a harem of 20 women. <laughs> <laughs> nice and yeah that's I, I don't know if he understands the word self-isolating but it's it's still pretty funny uh there's a lot of guys that are self-isolating uh three or four times a day i think right now <laughs> i got it you got, I got it. it you got it, it there good and uh yeah but for him there are people to do those things and he's got 20 of them uh, plus some servants. No word on if any of his four wives are in the group of 20 there. But he's got, uh, you, know, you know, a lot of people have their hands full right now. He has his hands free. And uh, he's, he's, he's doing well. The funniest thing for me, actually, not the funniest thing. It's all funny with this guy because he's a clown. But uh, what I did enjoy, too, is Thailand only has about 1,600 cases. Germany has about 67,000. And he's self-isolating in Germany for some reason. So... Well, you know, it, I, I do have to bring this up. This is taking measures extreme, I think, 
and again, I, I, um, I, I believe I read this correctly the other day, but the president of the Philippines has given his police force the authority to, they are taking lockdown to another level. Oh, that would be the Philippines for sure. That's yeah. Duterte. Rodrigo yeah. Duterte. He's... Yeah. He has given people or his police force the, the authority to shoot people, literally shoot them oh. if they're out in the streets. He he does that with drug dealers. If uh, if there's if there's if uh, police see a drug dealer and they don't feel like arresting, they can just shoot him. Wow! No, I've been to the it. Philippines, but that's when uh, the shoe lady was there Imelda back in Marcos. the yeah back in the eighties. I've been to the Philippines, Clark Air Base in the Philippines. If you're a, a former GI member like I am, and you've been to the Philippines, you've heard of a place called Angela City, the Philippines. That's all I'm going to tell you. It makes Mardi Gras and the Strip on a very watered down scale but there's some weird shit happening in and and, now this is 35 years ago but in angeles city the philippines wild and crazy place but uh i found that to be taking the lockdown a little seriously when he gave full authority to his police force to shoot people (laughs) that are out in the streets you you want a guy that (laughs) you want a guy that doesn't fuck around and i you know most if i heard this and i didn't know this guy i would I might be a little upset at it, and that's probably going too far. But at the same time, I mean, lockdown is lockdown. I mean, why why do you and I have to be, you know, locked? I only, I don't see anyone but my, you know, by my family and you. Like, right. that, that's and it. And that's the same I, thing on our end. I haven't seen anyone else in this whole time. And so, you know, why are we having to do all this? And we just have flights coming in from China and people going to the park and people doing whatever they want. And some people are trying so hard and social distancing and staying at home and they're, you know, or they're just going to work at the grocery store and that's it. And they're trying so hard and they're laid off. One or both uh, people in a marriage are laid off right now. And I get the calls all day about that. And it's so bad. And then some people are just like, la la la, let's go play pickup basketball and let's go to the beach. And it's like, what is going on here? And so it is frustrating how some people just won't get it no matter what, unless you unless you literally threaten to shoot them. And even if you do that, I bet there, I guarantee there will still be people just running, running around the Philippines, just like, oh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And like, okay, yeah. well, you know, so, you know, some people just won't play along. And I'm not even worried about getting it my, for myself purely, like just, you know, right. I mean, I know that I see my in-laws and that, but... Uh, I'm not worried about myself getting it. I'm really not. And I know people younger than me have died. I'm not saying it's not serious. Uh, but uh, I, I'm not even concerned about that. And my point is, and I'm still, you know, really trying hard to do all this social distancing. And, right. and I'm just staying at home and not going anywhere other than to see you once a week. And usually you come to my place. So, you know, it's it's really frustrating. So I'm not surprised that there's a country where they're like, okay, we're just gonna have to threaten to shoot you then because yeah. you're just you're not you're not playing along and you're not being a team player here. Well, we were worried, or I was worried. Chris is never worried. I was worried we weren't gonna have anything to talk about, and here we are, forty-three minutes in. So we should probably put a wrap on this four hundred and eighty-fifth episode of Unscripted. Again, I wanted to thank everybody that uh, that uh, we pled and you guys answered the call. Our two most uh, downloaded days in the three-year history of Unscripted, March 29th and 30th. Thank you very much. Please continue to do so. Anybody that hasn't, uh, we, again, would ask that you please go to our Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, or iTunes page and subscribe to Unscripted MC, Mike and Chris, and uh, we would be eternally grateful. Um, having said all that, 
I do want to make mention that we will be talking about the National Hockey League in our 486th episode, and our good buddy of the show, Ryan Hall, has come up with a suggestion, and we're going to take his suggestion, but uh, as I like to do sometimes, it's called a tease. I'm not telling you what we're going to do. Ha, 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 ha. Um, it's snowing here. It's cold as hell. I got to get my kicks some way. But we will pay tribute to Ryan in uh, episode 486 with his suggestion today from the National Hockey League, and I look forward to doing that. Having said that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.